football season is finally here. The long off season has finally come to an end. Preseason is well underway and we are ready to get you set for the college football season here at West Virginia University. Ryan Decker, Angelica Trenone here with you on the Gold Blue Nation podcast. We are sitting down on Thursday, August 24th, just over a week ahead of the start of the regular season for WVU. Angelica, it has been a long preseason, it seems like, slowly churning along, but the season basically finally here. The season creeping right up on us, Ryan, and of course, the question that everyone wants to know. Who will be West Virginia's quarterback when the Mountaineers go out there and they face Penn State to start the season? So uh, let's just let's just get it out of the way, right? Because the answer is there is no confirmed answer. One of those things, if you know, you know. Sean right? Boyle. Sean Boyle, yes. the pride of Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> so I think for West Virginia – this quarterback battle has been beneficial to both of the players, Garrett Green and Nico Markiel. However, Coach Brown did say that decision-making was the deciding factor, and while he has made this decision himself, it's not something that he's quite ready to release publicly. But again, if you you know, have been around the program, I think at least to me, there is a clear winner of this competition Mm -hmm. just based on, and not even really just talent, but in terms of experience as well. I think that's extremely important because you have to think of the environment, at least for this season opener, that West Virginia is going into. You need somebody who has been, I mean, none of these players on this team have been in a situation that like this, but you need someone who's been there, done that to me. Garrett Green showed he was ready for the moment whenever he got West Virginia a historic win over Oklahoma last year. But again, that's not to say that we don't see both of these quarterbacks in different situations. And so aside from the fact that the decision has been made on the quarterback battle, not publicly, but at least privately has been made, that was one of the biggest things that came out of Neil Brown's media availability, at least to me, earlier this week, was that Just because a week one starter has been named does not mean we won't see both Garrett and Nico week one against Penn State. Now, some of that could be score dependent, situational dependent, but going back to last year, eight of the 12 games WVU played, they rolled out at least two quarterbacks. In some games, it was three. So I think we're going to see that trend continue again this year. And then you go back to the experience you were just talking about. Garrett, he did beat Oklahoma last year. He played in that Oklahoma game two years ago on the road. That was that primetime kickoff game on ABC. He's played in these types of environments before. Nico just has not done that yet. So I think, again, it hasn't been stated publicly, but I think we can all go out on a pretty strong limb and say Garrett will be the week one starter, and then Nico will come in somewhere in the fold after that. Okay, so a lot of talk about quarterbacks since really the end of last season. Who's it going to be? Coach Brown was asked that directly, and of course, he's keeping this one close to the vest. Y'all want to know about the quarterback. I know I know who we're going to play. I know who's going to start. I probably – I don't know if we'll share that or not, but, yeah, it, that's that's been decided. They know. They know. You know, we just haven't done anything real formal with it, but I think they have a good understanding. And, and here's the thing. we got two really good quarterbacks. feel good about both of them. You know, one of them's a little bit further ahead, and – that's kind of that's kind of where it is. I don't know if it really helps us to to share a whole lot. It'd be different, but I think the the team offensively, especially, has got a good feel for it. Both guys have gotten better, but one of them, one of them's performed at a higher level, and and we're going to continue to push them. We're going to continue. We can play both of them in the game. I mean, I feel comfortable with both of them. It's just it's uh it's been clear who's who's ahead at this point. 
All right, so that was Neil Brown from earlier this week, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe from last week, and we may have heard from Neil Brown, but Neil Brown giving us some sort of an answer there about his quarterback battle as the season nears. So, Angelica, let's now talk about the biggest key of the offseason. Obviously, the quarterback battle was one of the keys that had to get decided here in the preseason, but, but for you, what was the biggest key for West Virginia, the biggest thing they needed to accomplish as a team to get ready for the season and the season, or season opener, I should say? Okay, so for me, I think that the offseason was all about getting some guys in the back end of this defense. You go out, you get some players like Beanie Bishop, Beanie Bishop, who has been, you know, has really earned some high praise this season for not only what he's able to do defensively, but what he can do in the return game as well. And to me, WVU went out defensively, I think Ryan is really the place that West Virginia was hit the hardest this offseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you lose Dante Stills, you lose him. That's like losing three players, right? But I think that for the first time in quite a while, we're, we're seeing more turnover defensively than we are offensively. So I think West Virginia really put an, inf- an emphasis on creating more takeaways this season. And I think that they went out and got some guys who are capable of doing that. So to me, this offseason was all about getting back to the way th- – to getting back to, you know, that defensive standard that Jordan Leslie set whenever he first got here. And we had the opportunity to talk with defensive line coach Andrew Jackson. And he had said, hey, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, actually, all of the defensive coaches we talked to had said this, that this team knows what they did last season defensively. It it needs to have an improvement and it needs to get back to the standard this year. Of course, you got a guy like Lee Koba, who is really the leader of this team. And if you want physicality brought to this defense, like leave it in the hands of Lee Koba to get this team here, right? But other than that, Lee Koba, Aubrey Burks, and I think this year it seems like there's maybe more unknowns on defense. And while that's the case, because maybe these are some names we haven't seen make some big plays for this team, there's a lot of guys who have been in this program defensively for three to four seasons that are now getting their opportunity. They're older. They've got the experience under their belt. I mean, look at what a guy like Malachi Ruffin did mm-hmm. last season. Jacoby Spells, the way that he burst on the scene, he had a pick six. Of course, we talked about Aubrey Burke. So for me, I think West Virginia needed to go out and get help defensively, and I think it was able to do that, especially defensive line-wise as well, going to be some new faces up there, but pretty confident on what Sean Martin and um, Eddie Vesterinen can do up there for WVU. So for me, that that was really the biggest key of the offseason was going out and getting those guys. West Virginia needs to tackle better, and it needs to create more turnovers if this team wants to take the next step. And I think that it got some reinforcements to be able to do so. And so in your answer there, you kind of danced around the, the biggest buzzword, I think, of the offseason for WVU, which was being more physical. That's something we've heard this whole preseason was West Virginia wants to be more physical. Neil Brown said they kind of erred on the side of caution last year leading up to the pit game, and he thought that hurt them as the season went along because they weren't as physical from the jump. So they changed that around this year. They're more physical in fall camp, and at least knock on wood to this point, we haven't heard of any major injuries that have come from that. That's the risk you always take as a head coach when you are more physical in practice. And so far, they've been able to survive that, which is good. The other thing is that was key for West Virginia to do this this fall and and throughout the offseason, it sounds like they've done it. This will remain to be seen, 
is building depth across yeah. the board. You kind of touched it on the defensive side, which they did. They went out, and you look at uh, corner and safety. They're now four and five deep at places where before they were not. They might have been by necessity. Uh, you know, uh, it was Malachi Ruffin who kind of got thrust into a situation last year against Baylor for the first time. Uh, they now have that depth and experience at a couple of those positions offensively. Wide receiver. We might not know exactly who Garrett Green and Nico Markiel are exactly throwing the ball to, but there's going to be plenty of options yeah. for them to throw the ball to. Uh, and you add tight end to that as well, Cole Taylor being brought in. Depth is something that at least so far in the preseason, it sounds like is infinitely approved, improved from where it was last year, really almost across the board. A quarterback, I guess, remains to be seen how good the depth is there and, and what you get out of that position. But across the board, running back sounds like it's about three or four deep. Wide receiver is extremely deep. Uh, tight end, it might be a little bit better than it has been. Offensive line sounds like it's as deep. It's been a long time. Yeah. Matt Moore is really proud of that group. And then defensively, as you were saying, every group sounds like it's a little bit deeper. That's been one of the biggest keys to me this offseason is just getting deeper across the board. And it was Shadon Brown, I think, who said, like, before in the past, they've been cross-training positions out of necessity. Now they were doing it because they could. They, they were getting guys at different positions just to see how do we get our best 11 on the field? That's a much different animal than yeah. what West Virginia's had in the past. That's exactly what I was going to say because him saying that really stuck out to me because last year West Virginia kind of got in a situation where, I mean, like how many snaps into the pit game was it that Charles Woods went down and then right. now all of a sudden that's a guy that you were counting on to occupy that role throughout the season and now you've got players who are going between corner safety. I mean, they're just bumping around there in the secondary and I think that that's, that is so important, the cross-training, um, you know, because these guys have the capability rather than it's necessary for depth. So I think depth is something defensively as well. Even on the defensive line, linebacker at the bandit position, I think West Virginia is in a position to have more quality depth defensively. Now, I mean, you know, that may not be four or five there, but I'm right. you think, you know, at the bandit position, it's just been Jared Bartlett holding mm -hmm. that thing down for the past couple right. seasons, right? Now you've got a guy like James Hurd who's able to come in. He's a freshman player. Um, we'll talk about some freshmen who we could potentially see here in a few minutes, but I think that is so important that this year West Virginia has capable bodies to where if anything happens to the first guy, maybe the second guy, they do have someone who they feel has the ability to go in there in a game setting. Now, of course, like you said, I mean, it's it's the preseason. Mm -hmm. We've seen what we've seen, right? But I, I think that West Virginia defensively is in a much better position depth-wise than it has been for quite a while. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Our football season preview here as we get ready for the start of the WVU football season on September 2nd and in Happy Valley against Penn State. So we've named all the different bodies that are on this WVU football team, or at least a lot of them, it seems like. Angelica, your player to watch this season ahead of the Penn State game. Please, if you know anything about me, <laughs> you know if it's not a running back, then who am I, right? Right. I Anything, any any guy who comes in Chad Scott's room, I'm like, okay, he's getting them there. There's no doubt about it. The reason that CJ is one of those obvious answers in terms of a player to watch, but I also think for me, he's a player to watch because last year, us watching him got cut short, right? So right. he had that season-ending injury against TCU and CJ was, you know, asked 
uh, I think a couple weeks ago during fall camp, they had said, you had such a breakout freshman campaign. What was your high point of that game, of that season? And he said, well, my highest point was also my lowest because I finally had the opportunity to go out, be a starting collegiate running back against TCU. In that same game, I suffered a season-ending injury, and if you remember, he went down earlier in that game with like a shoulder injury as well, came out a little bit. He went back in, then had that um, lower leg injury, the ankle that he had to end up getting um, surgery on. So I think CJ, too, has has done some things differently this offseason that, I mean, again, at this point last year, he... I believe he was probably still thinking he was going to be a tight end, right? Like he probably had just made the switch to running back this point last season. He went out there at the pit game and it was kind of like, oh, wait, Who's, this This is our third string running back, this guy just a bowling ball down the field. So this year, CJ had said the offseason, he obviously, one, had the maturity moment. I think when you have those types of injuries that you're at the highest of the high, you're like, oh my gosh, look at what I'm doing. Then that happens. You can kind of go one or two ways about it. And I think that CJ used it as a learning opportunity of – hey, I did kind of have a couple injuries there. What can I do to make sure I can, my body can sustain an entire season of this type of effort? He said the most important thing he did was change his eating habits. He thinks that that's helped change his body as well. And CJ's a guy who he's just going to, they put out a, a, a video from the scrimmage, and I honestly didn't see the jersey number, but the way that he just, from the get, just shoved someone straight mm-hmm. to the ground, I think CJ is going to be a player to watch because, to me, I'm not trying to put all this pressure on one person, right? But I think, you know, with some new receivers, with what's going to be a new quarterback, I think West Virginia has to heavily rely on its run game. And to me, you know what you're getting with CJ. He's a reliable player. And really the depth there at that running back position, I could sit here and talk about them all day long. I won't, but I could. She could. I could. But I think C.J. Donaldson is the player to watch because I think that he has that ability to be that true game changer on offense. I mean, he showed that last year. And while West Virginia will be rotating running backs in this year again as well, I think what C.J. is able to do, not just in the run game, but he had said he's been, um, you know, doing some things – at the slot receiver position as well, and he gives them so many options. So for me, I think this year is going to be really fun to watch what CJ can do really all around offensively. I mean, is he going to go back there and throw a pass? Who knows? He might. Who knows? We don't know what Chad Scott has up his sleeve. I'll have to ask him about it. But I think for me, long story short, it's CJD all day long. This is a great preview of what we hear in the office sometimes. Every single day. Her love of CJ Donaldson in the running back position. Um, For me, I, I would love to say Zach Frazier. Uh, for, for this player to watch position, but I know as much about offensive linemen as I do about the Civil War. It's not a lot. No. Um, so wish I could say Zach Frazier, but I can't. Wish I, t- wish I could say Lee Koba, but I feel like it's too obvious to say Lee but Koba. But those, those are two, just like CJ, they're the old reliables. Right. We know. They're there. So for me, my player to watch this season is the head honcho in the back half of the defense, Aubrey Burks. He's a guy who we really got to see his personality come out at Big 12 Media Days. I think ever since then, he's been on our radar. And we we learned a little bit more about him in the the preseason with with those uh, PFF numbers that came out where he's the best returning guy in the secondary in the Big 12. So he's getting a little bit of that national or at least conference-wide attention that he probably deserves. But Aubrey Burks is a good story, and he's a guy that, you know, in the offseason – 
he made the determination that in order for him to get to the next level, he's going to have to do things that a lot of guys don't want to do once they become established starters, and that's go back on special teams and be a true player on special teams. So Aubrey Brooks is a guy who you're not only going to see play the majority of snaps back there in the defensive secondary on defense, but we're going to see him in at least one or two phases of special teams this year because that's what he knows he needs to do to show people and talent evaluators at the next level that he can play at that next level. So Aubrey Brooks is the guy for me. I'll keep it short and sweet on him. Um, He's a guy that has, I think, become a good leader in the back half of the defense and on the defense total. We learned about shadow boxing yeah. from Aubrey Burks. That that was really insightful stuff right there. So Aubrey Burks is the guy for me, I'm saying, is the player to watch this season. But it's not just some of these old guys who we should be paying attention to this year. There's a lot of young talent on this team that is going to be playing at least according to Neil Brown, from the jump when we get to Happy Valley there on September 2nd. A couple of those guys on the outside catching passes, Rodney Gallagher the third, Traylon Ray. I know they're going to play. Uh, how many snaps, I'm not sure. Um, but they're both going to play. And I think you'll see they're as long as they can handle the load. And what I mean by that, as long as they can handle – this is a long season. And, and our schedule is more intense than most. And so as, as long as they can handle the load from a physical and a mental standpoint and emotionally, then I think their playing time will continue to increase as we go. Those two players, I think, well, one, I remember, I I don't remember if it was the first practice we were able to watch or the second one, but I believe Nico threw a touchdown pass to Traylon Ray. And at first, I mean, you know, a lot of people switch their numbers, a lot of new faces out there. I'm looking at the roster, right? I'm like, who's who's 18? Mm -hmm. To me, he looks, now obviously Coach Brown had said both of these players have to continue to be in the weight room and work on their strength because they were late summer arrivals for this team, especially Ray. But to me, he just, I mean, already for a freshman, he has kind of that bigger body type. He looked really sharp. Obviously high expectations for Rodney Gallagher as well. And I think for West Virginia's receivers right now, obviously you have Cortez Braham, who's the leading returner. You brought in a guy like Devin Carter. But after those two guys, I mean, there there's a list of players who we could see out there. And the way that Gallagher and Ray have shown their talents, the way that they've, you know, carried themselves through this fall camp, that's earned them already an opportunity Mm -hmm. to go out there and at least have a chance to see the field against Penn State. And Coach Brown had said, sure, I mean, they're freshman guys. There's a lot that you have to worry about, right? Can they handle it emotionally? Can they handle it physically? That will determine how long and consistent they can play throughout the season. But I think Just their raw talent alone is something that will get them out there against one of the top teams in the nation. And I think that really speaks volumes for West Virginia's future uh, at the position Mm -hmm. because you lose two guys like Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James, who they came into this program together. They've kind of been the staple for five years, left at the same time. I think it would be very cool to see these two guys come in, grow up through this program together, and here in a few years, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the year we're maybe not putting high expectations yeah. on freshmen, I'm just saying. But I think that those two just kind of walk out there going to be the biggest stadium, I believe, that I've probably, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if it's going to be the biggest capacity WVU's played at in my time here, yeah. But a lot of excitement around that game. And two, I can't wait to see how many West Virginia fans are able 
to be at that game too. Right, yeah. With 100,000 plus seating capacity, you'd think a couple thousand West Virginia fans could get in there, but Penn State's a different animal. When it, yeah. when it comes to fan and football crazy, I mean, that it might only be a couple thousand West Virginia fans who get in, but, but I, I am also very excited for that. Uh, was in Happy Valley once for a high school football game. Uh, never been to, to State College for a college football game. It should be a very exciting crowd. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big Penn State fan, unfortunately for him. Um, <laughs> And he was saying that he was kind of describing to me the, the the fan support there, and especially the layout of the fans for this helmet game that is being played there. Or that's the theme, I guess, uh, for the West Virginia game. It's going to be all white shirt, shirts, except for right on the 50-yard line. They'll be dotted in blue, yeah. and that's going to be, I think, really interesting to see. Uh, definitely different, I think, than anything else you and I have stepped into and really almost all these players have ever stepped into. So this is our PSA for fans. If you're going, wear gold so we can see you yes. stand out, right? We don't that that's the thing with the Navy. You le- leave the Navy in white for the Nittany line, show mm-hmm. us that you're there in the gold. That one is going to be such a great atmosphere, but of course, I was in per- I was in college. I was a sophomore in college the last time West Virginia and Pitt played at Milan Pushgar Stadium um, in 2011 and what a different experience that this is going to be. Again, last year was absolutely crazy in Pittsburgh, so I can't wait to see what it's going to be like in a home environment for West Virginia. And you talk about really starting off strong for this WVU team. Like, two rivalry matchups really right there at the beginning of the year. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that. These regional rivals are something for the past two years that Coach Brown has talked about wanting to have back on the schedule, and I think really something that the fans have kind of been craving Mm -hmm. as well, and kind of can't wait to see what this Cincinnati rivalry could potentially turn into football as well. That's who West Virginia will play in November, but I uh, cannot wait for that game, and I think, I mean, I'm saying it so underwhelmingly, but because (laughs) I think that it's something that everybody listening to this is like, yeah, obviously same. Right, yeah. I mean, we've got to temper our excitement at least a little sure. bit here for September 2nd. It's only August 24th, as we said here now. We've still got almost a month before the backyard brawl gets here. We've got a, just a slow build up to the excitement for those two games, which should be a lot of fun this season. I think we're going to, I think we'll be in store for a lot of entertaining football games to say the least and hey if you're coming to town for the pit game you've got any tailgates ryan and i got the time to go out and have some food there before the game we would absolutely love to do that and that's me always just asking people to feed us um and you know i'm not i'm not gonna stop it's the running backs and it's the food for me that's all free food is the best food right it's the college student mindset and the tailgate food yes yeah of course tailgate food of course there should be plenty of that in penn state here against Pitt, there should be plenty of that that we will uh be able to sink our teeth into. But that'll do it for us here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast as we get you set for the start of the college football season. Make sure to tune in if you live in the Mountain State to all of your Mountaineer Minutes on your local Nexstar stations, the uh, kickoff special on September 1st, that's Friday night, and then of course Mountaineer Game Day starting at 10 a.m. from Happy Valley. For Angelica Trinone, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast.